your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Thomas Welch. And I'm Josh Hyman. We got a fun one for you today. We're going to talk about the Blues signing one of their young talents to an ELC. We're going to talk about them losing one of their more veteran talents to the Swedish League. We're also going to be talking about more potential offseason acquisitions. They just keep coming, popping up for us. And then we're also going to talk about Game 7 between Toronto and Montreal. Everything that was involved in that, so you won't want to miss that. Before we get into that entire mess, uh, I want to talk to you guys today about Locked On NHL because you need more hockey news and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. So subscribe and listen each day on YouTube, on Spotify, on on anywhere you get podcasts for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. So like I said, subscribe to Locked on NHL today. Josh, so it was announced today that Kian Washkarak, I think I said that right? Epic hockey name, first of all. Yeah, a fantastic hockey name right off the jump. Uh, 2019 draft pick. You said fifth it was a, rounder, was a fifth rounder. Yep. Uh, the that. Blues signed him to a three-year entry-level contract. So this season with the Utica Comets, uh, he only played three games. I don't think he had any points, but uh, we talked about it before. That was kind of a weird situation there, splitting time between uh, the Blues forwards and the Blues players and Vancouver Canucks. So last season with Mississauga, uh, he had 22 goals and 30 assists in 49 games. And everything that I've read about this kid, uh, he's another two-way guy, but he's got that scoring capability. Mississauga had a hole in their team and scoring talent. He kind of stepped up and filled that hole. So he's a he's a glue guy. He's gonna he's gonna do what the team asks of him. So he also played uh, in Slovakia this year with. H.K. Levice. Oh, man, this is going to be a fun episode of Mispronunciations. He had 19 points in 21 regular season games, but here's the here's the fun statistic, Tommy, that seems to be consistent throughout a lot of Blues players, young, young and old. He's physical. 110 penalty minutes in 21 regular season games. For those of you doing the math at home, that is about five penalty minutes a night. 26 penalty minutes in four postseason appearances up in those numbers. So five foot ten, but plays like he's six foot five, I guess. Um, likes to throw the body around, likes to get physical. And I'm sure uh, with experience, those those penalties numbers will go down, but that physicality will remain. Uh, definitely a guy that I don't think a whole lot of people knew about, but knowing the Blues, whenever they sign one of these guys to an ELC, they're, they're big fans of him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe get a couple games uh, you know, next year, years down the line as maybe like a, a guy on the taxi squad sort of situation. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. So speaking of uh, young guys getting that experience, one of the guys that did have experience with the St. Louis Blues this season, Jacob De La Rose, uh, who, if you remember, he was re- he was acquired in the Robbie Fabry trade, uh, is heading to Sweden to, to play for a team over there. <laughs> what, um, what's it called? What's it called, Tommy? <laughs> Faryested BK, I think. He signed a three-year contract with them. Um, so if De La Rose ever does decide to come back to the NHL, the Blues still do own his rights. Um, but I believe his 
I mean, his numbers are still going to be coming off the book. So that'd be what, $700,000 free for cap space. So we can look ahead to acquiring more people in the off season with that money. Uh, So we're going to do that in the next segment. But Josh, does this mean that the Jacob De La Rose, Robbie Fabry trade, uh, does this mean that the Blues lose? No in that scenario. No, I, I don't know. We okay. We, I don't know. We've I feel like we do. Th- we might take an L on this, this one. We've talked about this. The St. Louis Blues trading Robbie Fabry was for no one other than Robbie Fabry. It was not a hockey trade. It was not a team trying to improve. It was a guy that had dealt, who had shown flashes of brilliance, dealt with two tr- tragic injuries, um, bounced back, but wasn't really finding his role. You know, had kind of missed the bus with the St. Louis Blues. wasn't really on on pace with the team anymore due to those injuries and Doug Armstrong and the Blues said, you know what? Um we're gonna do we're gonna do him a favor rather than bury him in the AHL or have him be the thirteenth forward and never play. We're gonna let him go somewhere where he can play. And yeah, they lost the trade. And I think when the trade was made, if you looked at it in terms of purely hockey sense, you would say that the Blues lost the trade. But it was what was best for Robbie Fabry and sometimes that's gonna happen. And at the end of the day, I don't think it's gonna be too much of a of a needle mover either way. I don't think the Blues would have had this season go much differently if Robbie Fabry was on the roster um, as much as, you know, as much as we love Fabs. Um, I, I think it was what was best for him. So, yeah, maybe maybe in terms of pure hockey sense, the Blues took an L. But in terms of being a good uh, organization and, and treating players with respect, I do think they made the right decision there. You can make the argument that the Blues won't be missing Jacob De La Rosa's one point on the season in 13 games. But I do think they're going to be missing uh, a depth that it almost seemed that we had a problem with this season because we saw a lot of guys go down. Obviously, in the long run, it wasn't enough to cut it through the playoffs, which that's a very tall order and task for them to be capable of. But I think Jacob De La Rose was a guy that kind of slotted really well on our fourth line in terms of a guy like Mackenzie McKecker, and I thought thought that they were very similar. Ivan Barbashev is obviously a step above those guys, but it's almost the same kind of like two-way players, like... Guys going out there and doing everything you expect them to and nothing less and nothing more. Uh, guys that you can depend on in that fourth line, in those third line roles. And I feel like Jacob De La Rose in his time with the St. Louis Blues uh, was essentially one of those guys. And you could put a lot of stock in him. And and so if you're interested in stocks, memes, rocket ships, day trading, all of that stuff can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion. That is $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started, grow your wealth the easy way, and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, like I said, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings 
So go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. And now while you're there, Josh, you got to check out our friends at rockauto.com because with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. Rather than gouging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do, RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is also a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, so go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. So like I said, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Josh. So we've talked a little bit about who the Blues have already lost this offseason in Jacob De La Rose. They talked about a guy that they've locked up on an ELC in Key and Washkarak. Let's talk about some more hypotheticals here, because I know a lot of our listeners are waiting with bated breath about Jack Eichel, are waiting with bated breath about Taylor Hall, what he's going to do this offseason, and all of these big names, Seth Jones, all these guys coming out. We just had a Game 7 where Toronto fans kind of lambasted Mitch Marner on his Instagram. He didn't play up to the expectations of his team or the fans or himself. Do we think a change of scenery for Mitch Marner coming to St. Louis could potentially revitalize him and revitalize this team? First of all, Mitch Marner playing up to the standards of the Toronto fans would include him scoring 15 goals in that game seven. That's all I'll say. That's fair. Um, that you, I mean, do I would I enjoy having Mitch Marner on the St. Louis Blues? Absolutely. Um, I feel like he fits the style a little bit better than Jack Eichel does. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the heck's going to happen in Toronto this offseason? I mean... It's been how many years in a row they've been eliminated in the first round? Four or five? Um, blew a 3-1 lead to the Montreal Canadiens, a team that everybody thought they should beat. We're going to get into it a little bit later, but that that's just an organization which, in my opinion, until the pressure, le- not lessens, but until the attitude about that team changes in that city with the media. With it's the, kind of a stranglehold yeah, almost. Yeah, until the stranglehold gets loosened, until there's not more pressure than any hockey team has ever faced in any game for a first-round matchup like there is on the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're never going to have success. Um, it is an unreasonable amount of pressure. And obviously, yeah, they could go out and they could win. There's some blame to be put on the players and the team and whatever it may be. But it is not a recipe for success to play in Toronto. We heard the stories about Mike Babcock from years past. We've, we're have we seeing all the stuff on social media now with these 
kids, you know, keep in mind, 20, 21, 22 years old are being absolutely brutalized on social media. And if you don't think that they're looking at that, you're wrong. Um, you know, they might not talk about it in the media. They might not address it. But at the end of the day, you know, Mitch Marner gets home from game seven. You, th- you don't think there's a point where he's going on Twitter, reading through all those messages or his Instagram comments, feeling crappy about himself. It happens. So until that, until these players feel like they can breathe a little bit, that, that franchise is never going to have success. That being said, I would love to see a change of scenery for Mitch Marner um, in the blue note. Uh, I would feel terrible if any of my favorite blues players had to go suffer the wrath of the Toronto media. But yeah, Mitch Marner, I think, would be a perfect fit for this team. Um, another guy you mentioned, Seth Jones. I said this before the podcast, but I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. I want nothing to do with Seth Jones this offseason at, at the price that he's inevitably going to ask. No way. I feel like he'll last closer to eight, in my opinion. But if, and also in my opinion, I'm kind of there with you in that if you're if you're adding, I would rather add a guy like Alec Martinez on defense who led the league in block shots uh, with 162, 160 something. Uh, the Blues, the the member of the St. Louis Blues defense that had the highest amount of block shots this season with Justin Falk, and he had 87. So we're talking 50 percent of the load that Alec Martinez did and just eating shots from the point. Um, I I think that's a really underrated stat, and I think that was a big part of their success in 2019. And really, onwards, going forward from that, uh, the Blues defense as a whole, I, I feel like, has always prided themselves on blocking shots, and we didn't really see that this season. Uh, obviously, some guys were missing time because they were hurt, but bringing a guy in like Alec Martinez, uh, I, th- I think he was making $4 million this year. He'll probably want to pay a raise, but... I I think that makes a lot more sense for this team than a guy like Seth Jones, who if you really want that game breaker and you want um, a guy who's like a big name on your team and all those things, uh, we talked about it before the podcast as well, but I feel like uh, that needs to be a forward, maybe specifically a left wing because you don't know if you're bringing Jaden Schwartz back. And even if you do, you kind of need a contingency plan for that. So uh, I would, I would, I would stray away from Seth Jones more towards Alec Martinez and see kind of what happens with Taylor Hall, maybe, if he does go back to Boston, if he doesn't go back to Boston. I I think either way, Doug Armstrong is going to be whispering in his ear again this offseason. Like we've been saying, there's there's a lot of change that's inevitable. Um, I do think that if we are going to make a big splash, it would make more sense having it be on the forward end, just because I think there's enough pieces um, in the decor that they can that they can sort of not figure it out, but they don't necessarily need a big name like Seth Jones in order to fix whatever problems were there this season. Um, I do think Alec Martinez is is the dream, um, yeah. exactly what this team needs. And then who knows what the forward uh, pool is going to look like, whether it be free agency or trades or whatever. But I think if there's going to be a big name added to this team, um, the best recipe for success would to have that be a forward um, preferably on the left side, because they're looking very, very thin there right now. But who knows what Doug Armstrong's got up his sleeve. Yep. One more point on uh, Mitch Marner for everybody that's dogging him. And you can say, I mean, obviously uh, having more penalty minutes in the playoffs than points is obviously not a great look from a guy making upwards of $10 million in the NHL and getting paid the big bucks to produce for your team. But uh, in each of his last three seasons with Toronto, he's been better than a point per game this season. Uh, 55 games played 67 points. 20 goals, 47 assists, a plus minus of plus 21. So, I mean, he is 
He is that two-way player that a lot of people talk about with the high offensive potential, uh, almost similar to an archetype of Ryan O'Reilly. Obviously not the same level defensively, uh, but maybe a little bit better offensively. Uh, And in my opinion, he's an integral part of the reason that Toronto did make it to the playoffs. So dogging him in the playoffs is, I mean, kind of warranted. He said it himself. That's not the play that he wants to go out and produce and they should be able to depend on him a little bit more. But I think you also got to hedge your bets there a little bit uh, because he was such a big part of this team and making it to the playoffs. So uh, if you're into hedging your bets like that, uh, you got to check out bet online because it is the greatest, fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and so are the Stanley cup playoffs and you can track all of that action at bet online so get all the latest news odds and info for all your sporting needs including mlb nba nhl and all your ufc mma action so if you want to bet on jake paul fighting tyron woodley you can do that oh as well Oh my goodness before the next pitch before the next face off head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's a 50% welcome bonus on top of your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Mitch Marner not so much about the Blues acquiring him, acquiring him, but how he's dealt with the media and how media has kind of played a part in recent news lately. And we're going to give our take on whether or not athletes should be forced to talk after games. Don't go anywhere. All right, Josh. So it kind of came up in Game 7 with Mitch Marner. All the comments on his Instagram uh, we've talked about, I feel like every year, everyone talks about how volatile the Toronto market is. Uh, we saw it, I mean, even with the Toronto Sun uh, coming out with the cover of the John Tavares injury and all of those things. I mean, it just feels like year after year, uh, there are no excuses for any Toronto team, but specifically the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now with Naomi Osaka dropping out of uh, tennis and all those things due to mental health. Uh, in your opinion, Josh, is it important? Is it is do we demand players, athletes, to speak after games to the media because it's part of the media's job to get those quotes, or do we just let them fly and speak when they want to? Look, as much as see, there's there's two two sides of that. There's there's one side when you got guys that are just sitting there or athletes that are just sitting under press conferences because, you know, of, of, of personal reasons that aren't necessarily mental health related. And that could be frustrating for fans and, and, and media and whatever. Um, so to an extent, there does need to be a standard that that players are held to when it comes to media. Um, on the other hand, when an athlete like Naomi Osaka um reaches out to you know her organization privately and makes a statement that due to mental health she isn't comfortable appearing in the press conferences um and they tell her that if you continue to do that you will be disqualified from the tournament blah 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 and she drops out i think that right there shows 
the glaring problem with the expectations that certain people have for athletes. Um, and just because these are athletes that are in the spotlight uh, a lot of the time and, and, you know, are constantly on camera and are constantly talking to the media and are making exorbitant amounts of money, just because that is their job does not give media slash fans access to their life at any waking moment. Um, and I do think that there is somewhat of a, of a misconception from, from a fan perspective where these, these athletes need to need to answer these questions. They, we need to know why they played this way or, or we need to let them know how bad they were. We need to let them know our opinion. And it's really easy to forget that, like we always say that these people are human beings and every once in a while, um, you take a, a person in, in, in this environment and it's too much for them. You know, the expectations are too much for them. And we as fans need to respect that. Um, if, if an athlete comes out and says, sorry, I, I can't handle this right now, that, that it is our job, not as a fan, but as a human being to respect that other human being's self-interest. Um, so I, I do think that there is a bit of a precedent that needs to change when it comes to expectations of athletes. And I think a, a large part of it might be the expectations for the media as well, because uh, I feel like I see tweets all the time from Sarah Siv, from Luke Korak, from Jeremy Rutherford uh, talking about like a midnight deadline or like staying up late to work on these stories and trying to get quotes for their stories at the same time. And like, uh, I feel like they write the stories during the game. And then like if something happens at the end of the game, they have to change their entire story or what have you. But then they kind of already have an idea of what their story is going into the press conference so they almost ask questions that line up with their story so that they can just finish it put it out and meet their quota right but at the end of the day like for the the purpose of this podcast when we have players on and when we have guests on anybody really on even like twitter fans or like what have you i i want to learn more about the person and like obviously if like if they play hockey and stuff too like that's important as well but like when we had robert thomas on he talked about netflix shows he talked about uh, his hobbies, he talked about playing video games. Like That's something that we don't really get with the St. Louis Blues because so often people are asking him about his play. Um, and I feel like we talk about it all the time. Like They always give these cookie-cutter answers because they're trained to, because they don't want to give headlines and they don't want to end up looking bad on social media and they don't want to make waves. If you want your players, if you want these guys to go and give genuine answers... You can't force them to speak every time that they don't want to, right? right. Because they're not going to want to give you a genuine answer. If you're asking the same question three times in a different form, and each time that they're asked, they say, I don't want to answer that or next question. That's not how you establish rapport with a coach, with a player, uh, with anybody, with a friend, with anybody that you're talking to, right? So uh, I think that there's a lot of things that need to change throughout the industry. And I think that the expectations for media members might be a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think mental health is something that is extremely important and athlete mental health is something that's been talked about more and more throughout these past few years. Um, throughout all different sports, there have been a couple of breakout stories that, you know, from from athletes opening up and just discussing their mental health. You know, Robin Lehner a few years ago, um, Kevin Love, uh, recently LaMarcus Aldridge, and now Naomi Osaka, and I'm sure countless others that I can't think of at the moment. But with this newfound respect for athletes' mental health, you know, people on Twitter are like, oh, props to whoever for talking about this. 
that expectation needs to carry over to not just praise on Twitter or praise on Instagram when these athletes stand up for themselves because we have an incident, you know, Naomi Osaka or even Mitch Marner, um, where there are people that are very clearly affected by the media and um, aren't in the best headspace when it comes to receiving that criticism, but yet there's somewhat of an expectation where I'm a Maple Leafs fan, so I have every right to go into Mitch Marner's comments and, and, and tell him to whatever, you know, comment obscenities about him or or tell him he's terrible at hockey and should never play again or whatever. And we're on the we're on the topic of Maple Leafs today because of Game 7, but like realistically, in every fan base, there are fans like that. Right. I've seen it with the Blues. I've seen it with uh, like the most holiest grail of fan base, like the St. Louis Cardinals, the best fans in baseball. I've seen it with them as well. So it's like... There are no there are no exemptions from this. It's the sport as a whole. There are volatile fans. There are fantastic fans. Um, but like you said, there's no reason to expect or believe that we deserve the right uh, to be a part of these athletes' lives outside of sports, uh, part of their everyday lives, and assert our opinions into their own minds. I think that's messed up. But I do think that there is change that is coming. Um, you know, like I said, athletes are being more open about it. Um, and then just recently, like we were talking about Naomi Osaka, just fully withdrawing from the tournament. I do think that's going to make noise. And I do think that that is going to cause change um, in those expectations, whether it's just for tennis or for athletes as a whole. Um, I think, it, it, like I said, it's, it's important. We always talk about remembering that these people are human beings. And I think it's very easy to forget that when it comes down to something as simple as trying to get a media headline but these as much as you know as much money as these these athletes are making and as as much pressure that they have and as much as it might be disappointing when they underperform at the end of the day they are human beings that deserve to be treated with respect and it's very important to never forget that and at the end of the day change is the first step to progress um and so i think that's important for the st louis blues this entire offseason to keep that in mind because uh, we talked about it on these last couple of podcasts, but I do think there's going to be a lot of change going on. So we're going to be covering it right here on the Locked On Blues all off season long. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening to. But I think that's all the time we have for today. So like I said, follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Locked On Blues. You can follow me on Twitter and Locker Room at 12 or 15. You can follow Josh on Twitter and locker room at Josh Hyman NHL. But like I said, thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, let's go blues.